You're about to listen to the Unleashed Podcast, where you'll be inspired to live a supernatural life and experience the reality of God. If you enjoy this message, do yourself a favor and subscribe. Or if you would like to connect with us further, visit unleashedchurch.org. so I have to share them with you because this won't make sense if I don't. In fact, it might not make sense even if I do, (laughs) but but it'll make more sense. So I'm going to share my heart for a second, and uh, I'd ask you to just open up and listen and try not to make fun of me. You can if you want to. I mean, I'll make fun of you, so you can go ahead if you want. (laughs) I don't care either way, actually. But... uh, so we are kind of going to take a wild ride. So I need you to like listen um, more than usual, whatever your level of listening is. I realize for some of you, the bar is really low on that. Um, wherever the bar is, just raise it a little bit because that's the only way we're going to get through this without dying. Let me rephrase. It's the only way I'm going to get through this without dying. <laughs> You'll probably be just fine. Okay. I had a prophetic dream. I've been having prophetic dreams like about once a week, which is not usual for me at all. I usually have them once every three months, and God will give me a dream that I know is from him. And the reason I know is because when I started first having prophetic dreams, I knew they were markedly different than normal dreams. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't recognize what it was when it happened. But now I know it feels completely different. And every time, Holy Spirit is in the dream talking to me. So that happened about four or five days ago. So four or five days ago, I have a dream. I'm in my backyard, and I'm um, everything's beautiful. If you see my backyard, it actually is beautiful. <laughs> I take really good care of it. I love working outside. I love working with my hands. I love dirt and doing that. I love green things. You know, I so have. A, I get it from my nana. Like she was all into that too. So anyway, I love that stuff. And I'm in the backyard, and it's beautiful, but all of a sudden I get really, really tired. And all I want to do is rest. I just want to lay down and rest. So I turn to go rest. I turn this way, and I, and I turn this way to rest, and instantly it becomes nighttime. And I look over, and I see up the moon, and I'm like, whoa, it's instantly night. And not only is it instantly night, but I look over, and it's all dirt everywhere, and weeds begin to sprout. And a weed springs up next to me, a big one. And I hear Holy Spirit say, these are the weeds that you need to deal with. And he tells me, the one next to you is yours. So at first, I was frustrated because I was so tired, I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted to lay down and rest. I don't know how many of you feel like that. Like some, you just, you know what? Life is life and you just want to rest. You're like tired of fighting inside. You're tired of fighting outside. It's like, can I just rest? How many of you guys feel like that? You feel like that? Yeah, okay, a lot of you. So that's where I was at. And I thought, I just want to lay down. But I couldn't. Then I turn to the weed, and I go to pull it, and I pull the weed out, and it comes out really, even though it was big, it came out really easily. And I realized these weeds actually come out really easily, and I knew that it was going to be daytime very soon, and that I needed to just get these out because daytime was coming very quickly. So I had to, and I also knew that in the front yard, it was still daytime, and there were no weeds there. It looked fine. And the Holy Spirit in the dream tells me 
That's because what you can see in the front yard looks fine, but there's a couple of weeds in your backyard, and you just got to pull those real quick. And there was like a couple of them. Don't, mine was just this big one. I'll tell you what mine is. <laughs> so y'all are in the dark about that. Um, but I knew, uh, but the others were little organizational things that had to do with our church, and a couple of them were in people that they needed to, needed to pull. Okay, so if, you, if you're wondering what's going on, what this is, um, a couple days later, maybe it was the next day, I, was, I saw this prophet, I listened to him, and I don't usually listen to him because he's one of the kind of harder guys, you know, like, you know, and I don't really respond to that that well, so I, I don't usually listen to him, but I did, and in the, in his, in, the thing is, he is really accurate. In fact, he prophesied over me at a church when I requested that God would tell him to do so, and he did the very next day. So I trust what he says, even though I might not like his delivery all the time. But he says this. He says, he saw an open vision, and in the open vision, there were two angels being released to the body of Christ. He said the first angel was already released, and the angel's name was cleansing. And he said, those churches who embrace the angel of cleansing will then receive the second angel at the latter half of 2019 into 2020. And that angel's called the angel of glory. But he said, first, the angel of cleansing is coming. Now, to make a long story short, I, I've, I've told you guys this before, but it's totally the truth. Is I, I would totally be okay with my life and with church if I didn't have a Bible. The Bible just wrecks my life with God. Sometimes I wish I really didn't have a Bible because I read it and I go, we are so far from that, you know, as a thing that it bothers me. I'm like, that is where we're supposed to be. And we're not. And I don't even understand people that are like okay with like, oh, I'll just be a good person and say the sinner's prayer and just go out my life and be a nice guy and give to the church a little and whatever and I'll die. I, ah, like I, I, you think like that. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I don't understand it. Like my whole being is burning for the things of God and the earth. Like, I want to bring heaven to earth. I want my life to matter. I want your life to matter. I want something to impact while I'm here that changes the world. That is on me all the time. I can't turn it off. No matter how much I try, it's constantly on me to come and do something amazing for Jesus and to watch everything in our world completely shift. It is on me all the time. I want it so badly I can taste it. And Jesus has shown it to me in dreams. He's shown it to me in visions, open visions. I've got taken to heaven or some weird place one time. I don't even know what it was, but I've got taken to a place that wasn't here. And he's shown me what things can be. And then I read the Bible. Do you ever read the Bible and go, I want that. That's what I want. Because that's what I do. I don't read it as a history book. I read it as like a template. Not even a template, a starting point. I think we're supposed to go well beyond what's written there. I don't mean theologically. I mean experientially. I think they set us up a template for which to build off of. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I can't turn this off. It's so on me. So anyway, he says this thing about cleansing. And I had this dream that the people of God would worship God to such a degree that the presence of God would be so thick that there would be no sickness or disease among us. That it would be so powerful. And, and I know, I guarantee you, that's where the body of Christ is going. That's where we're going. So God said to me, the first thing that needs to be cleansed is worship. 
Now that scares the bejesus out of me. I think I told you guys this last week, but I'll tell you again. I am not secure. <laughs> I am massively insecure when it comes to leading worship. I'm not insecure about everything. I'm insecure about that. You know why? Because I look at it and I go, I'm too old. I'm not very good. I don't, I'm not sure I'm even anointed anymore. Should I even be there? And, and on top of that, I have absolutely no problem never doing it again. <laughs> I don't have a desire to be up there. I don't have anything. Like, my, if you know me, if you truly know my heart, you know my preference is to be down here worshiping Jesus and let somebody else more anointed, more gifted, not bigger, but whatever, <laughs> get up there and do it. You know what I'm saying? If you know me, that's, you know that's where I'd want to be. In my whole life, it's been running away from the stage. If you know me, I worked very hard to never get on the stage. I was sharing this with somebody else, somebody earlier, and they were like, what, are you crazy? Actually, yesterday, I was sharing it with my brother-in-law. And he said, I said, no, dude, I went through all of college. I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, went all the way through college, and never took a speech class once, even though it was required to, for my major. You know how I did it? They offered me this other class that was a billion times harder and took way longer but they said, if you do this, we'll let you slide. Because I actually went to the counselor and said, is there any way under heaven and earth that I can do anything to not take a flipping speech class? Because I was scared to death to ever talk in front of a room full of people. Get me out of there. So I did. I actually went all the way through. I took the class. It was called Language, Logic, and Persuasion. And I kind of say it like that because it was taught by a guy that got his doctorate from Oxford. And he talked really slow. And you wanted to absolutely kill yourself by the end of this class. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> I can tolerate any insurance seminar. I could, like, I could go through it all. I could sit through those things they make you do to get the timeshare for a weekend, you know, if I can listen to this freaking class. Anyway. So I, I did that all because... I was so insecure to ever step on stage, to ever do anything, because I felt like I was not anointed. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be here. I couldn't do it. And I stayed off stage forever. I did not want to leave worship. I way would prefer to show up, stack some chairs, love some people, hug some people, go home, watch football. Or just stay at home and watch football. <laughs> I love football. <laughs> I would totally, anyway. I would totally prefer to do that. If you know me, you know that's my heart. That has always been my heart. It's been people pushing me. Not in a bad way. I mean, people pushing me. Get up there. You should do this. You don't know what it took to, to get me just to become a youth pastor. If you don't know this, when I first started as a youth pastor, there was a youth pastor before me. And I didn't, I didn't know he was leaving. I just went down and said, hey, what can I do to help? Can I vacuum some floors? Can I stack? I literally said this. Can I stack chairs for you? Can I pick up trash? Can I take kids home? What can I do? This is what I said to him. And two weeks later, the board of that church comes to me and goes, hey, do you want to be the youth pastor? And I'm like, no. No way. I'll help the dude that's supposed to do it, but I'm not doing it. And here we are. This isn't my choice. In other words, like, can someone else pastor a church and I'll stack chairs? That sounds great. 
So doing this worship thing is very hard for me, and it makes it even harder when God's like, we need a worship reset. Because the angel of cleansing, that's part of it right now. That we've become too used to so much noise and so many instruments and the whole show. Which, by the way, I'm not against the show. I actually really like the show. Like, you know, if you turn on, like, Bethel or IHOP or these musicians are incredible. Like, they're, I love it. You know, I, I really love it. I'm like, you guys rock. I'm like, oh, you're amazing. So I, I love these bands and I love the music and they're incredible. But I felt like God said, my people have become too reliant upon the show. Go back to the basic, sing simple love songs to me. And do you know how stinking fearful that is to me? I'm like, God, I can't. They can't do it. They need all the other stuff. And I'm saying that as if it was about you. It was really about me. But I'm trying to convince God that it was about you. Like, they won't be able to engage. They're going to hate it. And some of you guys did. And that's okay. Some of you guys loved it. Whatever. It wasn't my problem. Whether you loved it or hated it, it was my problem to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though I didn't want to. So at first I made it about you. No, they can't do it. They can't worship. They won't like it. They'll hate it. They'll, they can't engage. They'll feel weird. It'll be awkward. Like, oh. And then God's like, it ain't even about that. It's about you. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, because you're super insecure. And if you get up there with just your wife and a guitar, you're going to think like, well, this isn't going to work, and you're going to feel all insecure about it. And I was like, yeah, I totally am, so why are you telling me to do this? <laughs> I thought this is the reason we're having this conversation, so like switch your mind about this whole thing. So he wouldn't let me do that, even though I really wanted to. And I also knew that there are worship team members that were going to get hurt and offended, and I didn't blame them. Hey, guys, you're not going to be up there. My arrogant butt will be up there by myself. How does that sound? Woo! I knew that would happen. So I didn't want to do that. Who wants to hurt people? Who wants to offend people? That's not my, my heart at all. I love people. I don't ever want to hurt people. But we're doing it because of that. Because I want the glory of God in our church. And I'm willing to do anything, anything, outside the box, in the box, around the box, on top of the box, kick the box away, whatever we have to do. <laughs> To get in, to be obedient, to come before him, to be a New Testament church. I want to be a full New Testament church in worship and everything we do. So that's my heart. So this was our second week of reboot. Next week is going to be totally different. That much I guarantee. The week after that, it will be even more different. I won't tell you exactly because I don't actually know. I just know it will be a lot different. That much I know for sure. So today, here's what the Lord told me, because I thought it was all just about worship, and this is the most prophetic sermon I've given yet, so that's why you got to kind of listen up. By prophetic, I mean it's for the here and now. It's like from God, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'll just, I'll just give the sermon. Here we go. I thought that that reset was just for worship. He said, oh, no, no, no. It's way bigger than that. I was like, what do you mean? I mean I'm praying, and he's telling this to me. He said, I'm inviting my whole body of Christ. I actually call this renewing our vows because he said, today begins a season. I'm calling the body of Christ. This is even hard for me to say. Is that right? To renew their vows to me. To renew their vows to me. Revival almost always begins with the church. It begins with people who love Jesus. Today, 
we're going to renew our vows to God. I'm inviting you to remarry Jesus today. We're going to start all over this morning. We're going to start all over. Me too. Now, some of us, if you're raised in the church, most of us have gone to church for a long time. I'm looking around the room. I know most of you. So most of you, you you've been to church for a long time. You kind of know what it's about. And there's a thing built up in you that kind of like you kind of know how things are. And I'm telling you, you don't. And neither do I. He's about to say, come into something brand new. This morning, if you'll go there, we're going to remarry Jesus this morning. We're going to give our vows to him and commit. He is committing to us. I'm telling you today, he's committed to us. We're going to recommit to God today. That might sound weird to you, but we are, this is like the marriage of the lamb to the bride. And today we're starting over. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what that means. I'll throw some scriptures at you to make it an official meeting again. And uh, I just wrote this under Renewing Our Vows. The way to differentiate a divine religion from a man-made one is if that religion requires man to perform a work to be saved. Salvation is either a free gift from above through faith or it's toil, works, and ceaseless striving to get God's approval. I actually wrote that and I just put like someone smart wrote that. I wasn't actually going to say it was me. I was going to leave it like that, but that was me. Because what, what I realized is I don't know if you know this, but truly how you know an actual belief system is from God is if salvation is a pure gift. Every other religion on the planet will add something to it. Think about this, guys. Think about it. Every other religion. And you know that part is man-made because it puts the toil on you, puts the burden on you. And then you start to work. And as soon as you start to work, you know what happens? You fail. And as soon as you fail, you know what happens? Shame. Guilt. You know what happens after shame and guilt? Most people go to giving up or give me a drug. And by a drug, I don't necessarily mean a real drug. Oh, sometimes it is. A real drug or alcohol. Or give me something so I just don't feel this anymore. Whatever it is. My work, my relationships, sex, whatever it is, but I don't feel it anymore. And then they get caught, and they can't get out. And then they fail again. The other half of the people just do this. Well, I failed, but I did it better than that guy did, so I'm superior to them. And then they walk in arrogance because they can walk out the religion better than y'all. You know what I'm talking about? And then you have these people walking around because they know more, even though Paul said in Corinthians, knowledge makes arrogant. But whatever, they know more, so they're better than you. They don't do the sins you do, so their sins are less than yours. You see this? Your sins are bad, theirs are okay. You see people walking that. Religion is a prison that will keep you locked in a grave your entire life. So I'm telling you, the way we know this is God is if no work is added to faith. It is a free gift by putting all our trust 
Not salvation after all you can do. Salvation before you can do anything because all you can do is crap anyway. Did you know that? And the resting in faith in Jesus, he will take us over. Okay, so this is the scripture I got. Here we go for today. <laughs> Revelation 2 says this. It's not revelations. It's revelation. So anytime anyone's teaching and they go, turn to the book of revelations, you point and laugh and go, that's not a book in the Bible. I don't know what you're talking about. The book of revelation. Singular. You know why people say that? Because Ephesians, Galatians, they all end in S, they throw it on Revelation. It doesn't belong there. Because there's only one Revelation, except Christ Jesus. Woohoo! The book of Revelation, verse 2, 2, 4. Here we go. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, the angel is addressing a particular church in which they had problems with false teachers. And they're like, he's like, you're doing great. You stood against them. You know, it's all good. It's like you got the things doing. You, you, you got it going on. You believe the right stuff. You're doing the right stuff. You're moving the right way. You got prayer groups going on. You got ministry groups going on. You're not fornicating. You're not adulterating. You're doing the good stuff. You're going to church. You're reading your Bible, whatever Bible that they have, Old Testament, whatever. They're doing all the stuff that they're supposed to be doing. They're moving it. They're going, I got this. I'm praying my prayers. My kids watch Veggie Tales. Like, it's all good. Like, we're, we're doing, we're having, you know, home Bible study. We got it going on. I got my prayer. I don't sin. And he's like, yeah, 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 your theology is good. You got all that. But you actually left your first love. You actually forgot what this whole thing was about. And Jesus told me to ask you a question this morning. If you are in faith this morning, why? He wanted me to ask you, why did you become a believer in the first place? Why? Why are you here? I don't mean here. Why are you here? He wanted me to ask you that. Why are you a believer? What drew you to him? I'm not talking like us raised in the church. My parents taught me this. I'm saying something in your heart at some point pulled you. What was that thing? What pulled you? He told me to ask you that question. Why are you a believer? Because going forward, let me tell you this. I, without a doubt, I'll just say it, we're going to have thousands. And mostly, they'll be young people. Not only, but mostly. God's going to bring so many young people in this generation to him, it will shock you. And we're going to see a ton of them. What happens if we don't go through the cleansing? And we're up on stage, and I'm insecure, and someone else up there is getting fed, their insecurities fed by leading worship, and all of a sudden it goes from, you know, 100 people to 1,000. That just magnifies the problem, doesn't it? doesn't help me deal with my insecurity, it just covers it. You understand what I'm telling you? That's just one example, but that's one of the weeds he's getting out of our hearts. Let's expose it. Let's let him deal. No, it's not going to be, we're not going to go 50 years of weed dealing. I'm talking one moment today. One moment today. We'll have this, we'll have this whole thing covered. 
I have this against you. You have lost your first love. Today, we're going to fall in love with Jesus again. Today, we're going to marry Jesus again. Today, we're going to remember why we're believers in the first place. And you know what that means? We're going to show the world what it means. Because once you get into the religion, the machine, you don't have to go very far before you forget why you got on the train in the first place. And you can't even evangelize to someone because you're like, I don't really think I have anything to give to them. You see what I'm talking about? What do people are like, go evangelize. And they're like, I don't know what to tell them. Like, uh, my life's mediocre and my marriage is okay. And, but say this prayer so you don't go to hell. You know what I'm talking about? It's like we forget what we actually have to offer people. So I'm actually calling all of us and anybody that's going to watch this on the live stream or somewhere other, other time. God is calling the body of Christ to remarry him right now in this season. I'm telling you, there's an open door. The rest of 2019 is falling back in love with Jesus, and 2020 will come the harvest of all harvests. So many people are going to come to Christ. People who you don't expect, would never think of. So the, the last one is, one of the things is this. <laughs> he told me to share this too. So this is my favorite parable, or maybe not my favorite. It's one of my favorite parables, without a doubt. I love this parable. It's Luke 18. He says this. It's very famous. I'm sure you all know it. We're going to read it. Now, he was willing, willing, <laughs> he was willing to tell them a parable. He was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Let me say that again. Showing them through a parable that at all times they should pray and not lose heart. Well, if you guys know this, prayer is the first thing where you'll lose heart, typically, in your walk with God. Because it doesn't seem like it's doing anything, and that's why you give up easily. I prayed this prayer. Nothing happened. I feel like I'm talking to myself. You see why he had to give the parable? Because he's like, this ain't going to be hard. This ain't going to be easy. Like, this is going to be something that is going to be easy to let go of, right? So he's like, I'll give you a parable so that you don't do that. So here's the parable. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him and saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. And remember, in their culture, if you're a widow, you don't really have rights. You can't, like, protect yourself. So they, you would have to go to a judge to extend rights to you because you don't have them. Does that make sense? So that's why she keeps going to the judge over and over. For, while he, a while, for a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he says to himself, I love this, even though I am a piece of garbage, <laughs> That's kind of how I read that. Even though I really suck as a human being, yet because this widow bothers me, now what I liked is um, I read this little part of it in Greek, and one of the translations translated, because this widow attacks me. <laughs> and I'm like, I looked at the word, and I'm like, yeah, you can do that. So <laughs> I was kind of like, because this widow's attacking me. <laughs> anyway, that's funny to me. This widow attacks me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will just wear me out. And the Lord says, listen and hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? Now, here's the most important part of the scripture to me, this next line. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Then he goes, however, watch this. He gives this whole parable about praying, you know, continually bringing things before the Lord. And then he goes, however, 
Ready for this? However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Now, I'm going to say something that isn't totally true right now, and I'll fix it. After I say, I'll fix it later. So here's, here's what I'm going to say. Faith isn't just like, I believe in Jesus for my sins because I'm a piece of garbage. That's not really faith. You know what faith is? Believing that he is absolutely good all of the time. That's real faith. People think they believe in Jesus, but then they think everything is just going to get crappy. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? They're like, I believe. Well, what do you believe? Everything's going to suck? Well, I said my prayer now, so I'm good, but everything's just going to get worse and worse. That's not faith. When he says, because look at the context of the parable. What's the context? Is she waiting for something good? Yes, she's waiting for legal protection from her opponent. She's waiting for something good to come towards her by virtue of her knocking on the door of heaven. So what, what's the point? The point is, what do we actually believe? We need to remarry God with a whole bunch of things I'm about to tell you. <laughs> to remarry God. But the core of it is going to be, do we actually believe God is good? Because let me tell you, I'll give you a couple of stories. I know we got to go to Oz now, so... When I first moved to Denver, I was 15 years old. I came to this. Now, I had never really worshipped God before. I didn't understand what worship was. I sat in my parents' church and was like, sang the songs, right? But I did not understand worship. I never entered in ever. I come into this youth group. Now, we moved from, from essentially like bung crack North Idaho, right? A town that if I said, you wouldn't even know what it was. I would say, this town, and you would just laugh, and it would be silly to you. So we're in this town. I came from a town where our church began in a barn, a literal barn, where I remember being like five years old and shoveling poop out of the barn. So like the first Sunday, the whole place smelled like poop. And like the 15th Sunday, it still smelled like poop. It was a literal barn, and we shoveled junk out. It had no furnace, no AC, nothing. It was literally like a stove in the corner that we had to stuff wood in. And you know, North Idaho in the wintertime, it is cold. Like, people are like, it's so cold, Colorado. I'm like, <laughs> Colorado is super warm, super sunny, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. Colorado never snows. It's always warm. You guys have no clue what snow or cold actually looks like. Go north. Go north and you'll know what real snow is like. So I grew up with real snow and real cold. I remember one year it was a negative 60. And we were like chucking, chucking water out the door. And it was like, <laughs> like turn into snow as we chucked it out the door. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, right? So it was that cold in this barn. And I didn't know much about anything. We moved from this little tiny church in a barn to Denver. To the biggest church in Denver. 5,000 member church. And I go walk into this youth group, and I see, like, hundreds of youth worshiping Jesus. I'd never seen that before. And I enter in. I begin to worship, and I got hit with the Spirit of God in worship, and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Now, guess what happened? Shortly after, well, actually, right before I got there, the youth pastor had come to everybody, and he stood up on stage like this, 500 youth back in this place, right? And he goes, guys, we're going to go to the nations. We're going to take over Denver. We're going to blah, 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 blah. We're blah, blah, blah on our blahs. Like, and he did all this stuff. We're going to do all this. And you know what happened? The week later, he got up in front of everybody and said, I'm leaving. See ya. I don't want to talk to anybody. 
they left. He gave all these prophetic words and took off. So I get there. The Spirit of God is moving. And all these people are coming. All these youth are everywhere again. And the youth pastor takes me aside. He says, hey, you want to come to lunch with me? So I end up going to lunch. I'm 15 years old. I go to lunch with him, and he tells me, I'm going to build the whole youth group on you, and God is going to do X and such through the youth ministry, and you're going to be a part of it, and it's going to be amazing, and blah, blah, blah. He tells me all this stuff, and I'm like, wow, man, it's going to be great. Ah. Six months later, we leave, and so did he. All these big prophetic words, disappointment disillusionment, hurt, or any of the things God says is real, or any of the things people say are real. Does he ever do any of this stuff? And I know that a lot of that is in you. So today when I say remarry him, will he find faith in the earth? Are you going to believe again? Are you going to take a risk again? Are you actually going to believe that he is good and step forward in it? Or are you going to keep yourself guarded, not believe, and never do anything because you're afraid to get hurt again like you were the last 50 times somebody gave you a crap prophetic word? What are you going to do? This widow came again and again. And he's saying, God, God's not saying he's an unrighteous judge. He's actually saying, I'm so righteous. Like, if that unrighteous judge will do it because he's getting bothered, I'll definitely do it. Are we going to believe? Will Jesus find faith in us when he comes? And I don't mean, I don't think he's talking about his second coming. Maybe he is. I don't really think he is. I, I, let's just say that I'm right about this, and he's talking about when he comes, when he moves, when he moves in a city, when he comes on our hearts, when he hits our family, will he find faith? Are we going to believe, or are we going to be so guarded about the hurts we've had from the past that we won't take a step? If you guys don't think I know what I'm talking about, that was the beginning of my letdown. Let me tell you something. Growing up in the church for 20 years, it was like people would get up on stage like this, and they'd go this and this, and every single thing they said was wrong. I don't think I saw one prophetic word ever come to pass. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, you know why Paul says, don't be, essentially he says, don't be cynical of prophetic words? Because there's a temptation to be cynical of prophetic words. (laughs) Because people get up there and go like, blah, 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 and they fill you up with all this stuff. And it doesn't happen. So if you guys don't know this, one, one year I had a lady come to me and she goes, God has told me you are supposed to do a youth conference right here. Do a youth conference. And now your youth are going to come and God is all over it in this generation. And you got to do it. So I said, okay, I got a word. I'm doing the conference. Right? So I go to do this conference. Now, I'm thinking, like, let's get as many youth here as we can. So I, I literally had face-to-face, one-on-one meetings with about 15 youth pastors from all over the city. Every one of them said, oh, yeah, we're coming. We got you. I'll be there. I'll bring some kids. We'll bring lost kids. God's going to do a work. This is what they told me. Every one of them told me this. We'll be there. We got you. And these were all guys I knew personally, and I had brought 40, 50, sometimes 150 kids to their events. Some of them wouldn't even have had an event had I not come and brought kids to their event. My wife knows this could very much be true. So listen to this. So I'm going, prophetic word. I'm talking to people. We're getting this thing going on, yeah. And you know what happens? The day I have never before or since ever lost my voice in my entire life, ever. 43 years, I'm 43 years old, never lost my voice, ever, my whole life. The day before this conference, lose my voice. 
I got to lead worship for it, right? I got to speak for it. My voice is gone. I can barely talk. The night before the conference, I get this, uh, at that time, MySpace, that dates this whole conference. I got this MySpace from this girl that's like, you suck at everything, go kill yourself, essentially is what it said. It's horrible. My wife remembers this. And I was just looking at it, and I'm like, can't talk. This girl hates me and just like hit every insecurity I had. I was like, you're horrible and awful and suck and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, this is not good at all. But I have the prophetic word. I'm going to believe God. First night of the conference, one youth pastor showed up. You know how many kids he brought? Zero. And no one else even bothered to show. Not one other church ever brought one single kid. And there I was. No voice. I could barely sing. I could barely talk. I was supposed to lead this conference. I had these, all these prophetic words. Nobody showed up. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, ooh. It was rough. Then I was worried about marrying Mindy. She was probably worried about marrying me. <laughs> I was worried about marrying her. And we had, there was a lot of people came against us. A lot of people were like, you guys should get married, and you're this, this bad, and you should never marry her, and blah, you should marry, blah, blah, blah. This stuff came at us when we first got married. Most of you don't know this, but I won't go into details, but it, was, it got pretty brutal. So then I had other people come. I was like, it's totally God. Don't listen to the naysayers. It's going to be amazing. Day one, honeymoon, bam. You know what happened? We got married, and our marriage was crap. It was horrible. <laughs> like the first three years was like, ah, I'm going to die. Like, it was awful. <laughs> it was an awful marriage. It really was. I'm not, you know, she's not, she knows this. Like she married, was married to me. It was very, very hard. Yeah, okay, put that. It was very difficult. Um, and I'm like, what about these words? What about all these words people said? What about God's goodness? What about all the things? And just so you guys know, Mindy and I were both virgins when we got married. We waited. I, I never was sexual with anybody else. Neither was she. We both get married as virgins. And that was the worst part of our marriage. And you're going, God, I did this all right. Why is it all wrong? I did what you said. I did everything you said. But none of the fruit is there. I thought this was supposed to be good. I thought only the people that had jacked up sexual histories were supposed to have bad, hard times in their marriage. Not us. You see what I'm saying? But that was the worst. That was a huge struggle. And a huge struggle. How many guys are relating to what I'm saying? So here we go. You ready? Roman numeral three. Things you know when you renew your vows. You ready for this? We're going to renew our vows to God. And here's what you know and you have to know going forward. Number one, you know him better. Whenever you first came to Jesus, you now know him better than you did then. And listen to this. You know he loves you no matter what. You know he has always been faithful and will always be faithful. You know that when you struggle and fail, he remains the same. And loves you eternally. If you don't know this yet, I pray that you will at the end of saying your vows to Jesus. But what I had in my head was I've married probably 300 couples. I've married a lot of people. And I've done renewal vows for probably another 20 or 30 couples. And there is a huge difference 
between these 20-somethings I marry and these, like, 50-somethings that I've remarried, there's something that goes on. Now, picture this. 20, 21-year-old, oh, they have, like, this, you know what I mean? They have, like, the stars and the love, and they're looking at it, oh, this love is so funny. Oh, and, like, they're both crying. Like, it's so beautiful. It's so lovely. And, and I'm just going to say these vows to you because all my whole life is you. Somebody just vomited over here, so we're, uh, we're on the same page. We're all tracking. Woo, that's good. Okay. How many of y'all know how long that lasts? Like, you get married, and you go, heck happened to the vows. Like, uh, now I pretty much, uh, I won't be with you, and when you get sick, don't come around me, and when you, hopefully you'll die so we can part. Yay! <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm just, obviously, that, I'm joking, I'm joking. Trying to paint an extreme picture so you guys don't understand where I'm coming from. Okay, so, so you kind of do that, right? But you know what? Mindy and I have been married 18 years. I've done renewal vows for somebody that's married 30 years. And there's something going on because they know the cost and they know each other. And they're looking in the eyes going like, I know you. And I'm saying these vows with so much integrity in my heart. Because I know the good, I know the bad, I know the ugly, I know the ups, I know the downs, I know all the stuff. And I'm going to recommit to this person and yet still understand it's only going to get better from here. Only going to get better from here. Number two, watch this. You know him better, you also know yourself better. You know how fast your emotions can change. You know your weaknesses and your strengths. You know how much you can take and still go forward. And you know that you are purified in an instant through faith in him alone. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but if you're still sitting here and you're still believing and you've been a believer for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, if you don't know it about you, I do. <laughs> Some of you are sitting here and you have been through all kinds of stuff. Disappointments, hurts, letdowns, setbacks, pains, all kinds of stuff. And you are still here holding on to Jesus. Not because you're afraid to go to hell, but because you love him. It's that simple. I don't know if you guys know this. I don't care about going to hell. If Jesus is in hell, that's where I want to be. I want to be with him wherever he is. I'm not concerned. I'm not afraid. I just want to be with Jesus wherever he is. Because I'm in love. And this is why we're going to renew our vows of love to Jesus. It's not going to be religion. It's not going to be somebody scared me into saying a prayer one night because they were like, hell is bad, say this prayer. But because you're in love. If you're not in love, if you've never even done this before, then you're going to have your first <laughs> commitment ceremony to Jesus that's saying, take my life. He'll give you his, and it's a really good deal. Number three, you know the journey better. So you know that some things hurt, you know that pain, delay, confusion, lack of breakthrough, stagnation, mundane living, and betrayal may all be a part of the marriage. I'm not saying he'll do it. I'm saying it'll feel like that. I'm saying sometimes there are seasons that look like this, right? I'm saying that, I'm not saying he's doing this. I'm saying sometimes in the marriage, it looks and feels like that. So you know sometimes that those hurt things will be there. But you also know that heaven comes to earth on the back of faith in the stripes on the back of Jesus. 
And you know things can and will change for the better. And you know justice will come quickly. And that love for him can get you through any storm. Love, you know, some of you know this for a fact. Love for Jesus can get you through any storm. Any storm. If you're having a hard time in a storm, recommit to trusting him. Bill Johnson, I think, says, you only have power over the storm you can sleep through. When you trust him in the boat, you can sleep and rest. It's a matter of us to recommit, to recovenant to the Lord. Now, some of you might do this every day. I think that's a good thing. I, my heart's committed to my wife every day. I wake up, I'm, I'm committed to her. Always and only her. I'm always committed to her happiness, her love, committed to what I can do to be a husband to bless her. I'm not saying like, ooh, look at me, I'm a good husband. I'm saying that's what covenant is. <laughs> that's what marriage is. And sometimes I want to do it when I feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel like it. But I do it because she is worthy. She is worth my love and adoration and soul affection. And so is he on a far greater level. So today I'm asking all of you if you'll fall back in love with Jesus. Because here's the deal. I love the accoutrements. We, our our uh, honeymoon was in Hawaii, which I highly recommend, by the way. We went to Hawaii, to Maui. Got to take a helicopter over a volcano. We went, like, snorkeling. We did all this huge sea turtle. Like, it was great. So what I mean is I love the accoutrements. Let's do fun stuff. But the core of love for Jesus, the simplicity of the gospel, is who we are. I love accoutrements. I want to have a 50-member band. You know what I'm talking about? I want to have five guitars and like, you know, this and that. I want to have this whole ensemble going on. I love that stuff. I love accoutrements. I love it all. Some people are like, oh, these churches with their smoke and lights. I'm like, oh, I like smoke and lights. Like, I think it's cool. Like, let's go for it, you know? Whatever's cool, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like, if people are blessed, let's go. I love that stuff. I'm all about that stuff. I really am. But before we get there, let's go back. You understand what I'm saying? Before we get there, let's recommit and renew our vows to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you came to the Lord because you were afraid of hell, that is not a good reason. I'm not saying you can't use it. Use that reason. But let's go deeper than fear. Fear-based relationships never work. Let's do this on love. Because I love you. Because you saved me. Because you died on the cross for my sins and rose again and washed me. Because you gave me new life. Because you renewed my soul. And all he asks of you is when he comes, will he find faith in you? Or will he find a bunch of believers that just think things are going to get bad, won't believe for anything big because they're so afraid of getting let down? Is that what he'll find? Or will he find a bride that's willing to go and believe the big things of God, the little things of God, and everything in between? That my life can change, that your life can change, that we can make a difference, that we can change everything just through prayer. Just through prayer. Are we going to believe that? I don't want to lead a church that's like, no, we're afraid. No. Let's go for it. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm not sitting up here all confident, like, I'm up here like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say, thousands. You know why? Because somebody might believe me. If it doesn't happen in their timing or in their way, they're going to get let down and hurt and not want to move anymore. And I don't want to hurt people. 
I am afraid, but I'm not going to let it stop me. I will not let it stop me. There's a whole generation at stake here. There's a whole city at stake here. There's families, marriages that are going to be restored in Jesus, but we got to believe. I'm not saying as a work. I'm saying as a part of understanding and knowing who Jesus is. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Can we actually believe Jesus for who he is? Can we take all, and I, I, would, I would hazard to guess, few of you have had as many prophetic words spoken over them as I have that have not happened. <laughs> I'm not, maybe somebody does, but I've had so many of these. This can happen, and it clearly didn't. That should have ruined my faith. And I'm like, I won't live like that. I just won't. I'll say, those were false words, or they were, the timing was off. But I'm not going to get my faith out of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you've been let down by a prophetic word and you're still holding on to that right now with hurt and you don't want to, you need, that's a repentance issue. You got to come before me. God, forgive me. I released that right now. I'm not going to hold on to that. So the last thing I wrote here was, and so now you can make an eternity-long covenant with a deep sense of integrity and devotion. Now you can look at his faith, face with purified stars in your eyes. Now you can look at the journey ahead with unbroken faith and optimism because you know his full nature trumps your old one. So now I want him to find faith in our hearts that he is absolutely good all of the time. That we're so crazy with it that we're not going to blame bad things that happen on God anymore. We're not going to rationalize away our pain to say, God did that just so we'll feel better about our current condition. We're going to live with tension. We're going to live with not understanding everything. We're going to stand on the gospel. We're going to stand on the word of God, stand on the goodness of God. No matter what we see, we're going to stand, we're going to believe. No matter what prophetic words don't come to pass, no matter what happens around us, we're still going to believe because he is worthy, and it is all about him. And I'm telling you right now, Chris, I cannot get my eyes off you. I'm sorry. Holy Spirit is on you, my friend. And he is saying to you right now today, it is, what I'm saying is for you, I mean, it's for everybody, but it is for you right now. Like, Chris, he loves you, man. He has not given up on you. And if you'll just come right now and believe in you again, you believe in him, I know you got that. You believe in you again? You can do this? You got this? There's something different for you? Don't let the enemy take that from you right now. Don't let him tell you that. You already messed it up. It's too late. You've gone too far this way. You've never, no, no, no. He's got something new for you, man. He wants to resurrect you. He wants to do it right now. This is for you. He is on you right now, man. And it's good. It's so good. So if, if y'all are with me, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're not, whatever. You can pretend like you're all at home, no different. But if you all are like with me right now, I want to re-covenant our lives to the Lord. And not re-covenant like, okay, I'll go back to the snake. That's, oh, please don't do that. Like, re-covenant to, I serve a God who is absolutely good all of the time. I believe in a God that blesses me 100% of the time. I believe a God that's looking to pour in love and change my life, and give me money, and all that stuff. I'm not saying it's about money. I'm saying he's looking to bless you. I'm going to believe that from now on. 
that things are going to get better. I'm going to believe my God. I'm going to have faith in my Lord. That whatever comes against me that speaks the opposite, I can deal with the feelings, but I'm going to throw those. I'm going after him. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. When he comes, he'll find faith in me. If he doesn't find faith in anybody else, he will find it right here. Because I will be on my knees crying out the big prayers. Big prayers hurt, guys. You ever done that? Big prayers hurt. Sometimes you can't even get them out of your mouth. <laughs> you ever done that? Like, Lord, tomorrow I ask you breakthrough with blah. I can't get it out. Because you're so afraid that it's not going to happen. You have so much pain wrapped up in the times it didn't. And he says, come back to me and knock on the door again. I gave you a parable so that you wouldn't lose heart. Why are you losing heart? He's basically trying to say, this judge stunk and he gave it to him. We serve a righteous, beautiful dad who loves us and is looking to bless us and wants to pour things out on us. I know it's hard. It's, you guys understand it's way easier to not have faith? Did you know that? Now, it sucks, but it's easier. You see what I'm saying? It's easier to live like that. It's easier to leave not really believing God for much, just making it through. But that isn't what he's calling us to. We have a precious couple of months, maybe, where God is doing this in our midst, opening doors, and then there's going to be a, a move and a wind of God that will blow through this place. We may see it physically and feel it physically. I don't know, but there will be a wind of God that will blow through here, and he's going to be looking to find faith in the earth. Who is looking at me? Who believes me? Who thinks I'm good? Really thinks I'm good? You guys understand what I mean? I'm trying to say, I don't know if I'm even saying this well at all. Is this making any sense, or is it like way discombobulated, like I said in the beginning? I, I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I know it's hard. I know it hurts. I don't care because it's way better. I have lived the dumb yourself down to, I will never live that way again. Almost killed me. But I'm going to believe. So here's what I want to do. I want to... Um, I want to ask Holy Spirit to blow on the embers of your heart, on the dreams he's given you, on the big and the small, on the things that you've believed for at one point. And again, not the person next to you. It is way too easy to believe for the person next to you. You. That he will use you. Not your husband, not your wife, not your girlfriend, not your friend. You. That his eyes are on you right now. And he's going to breathe life on your dreams goals, on your vision, and it is from him. Don't worry about, what was it, arrogance, is it my insecurity? Don't worry about that. He can totally deal with that. He's awesome at dealing with it. Just get it going. You know what I'm saying? Inside your heart, your vision, your goal, the things he's put on you to see, the desires of your heart that are pulling you forward, the stuff you want to do, the things he's put on to say, this can happen. And if you've been wrecked like me from the word of God and reading the Bible, let him just pull and work on that and say, this is coming. This is coming. You get to be a part of this. You get to see these things. You get to have this. If you can't do it for yourself, and some of you maybe are so broken, do it for your kids. Do it for your kids. Think about like, okay, I'm going to give everything. If you can't, just can't have enough faith to say it's going to happen for me, have enough faith to say it's going to happen for them. Those kids deserve better than we got. Don't they deserve better than we They deserve better than what I got. They deserve better. They deserve a better church. They deserve a better leadership. They deserve a better move. 
Can we do it for them at least if we can't do it for us? Can we do it for them? I would do it for them. I will believe in my babies. I've got six of them, and I believe for them. I believe in them. How many of you guys know how important it is to have someone believe in you before you can believe in yourself? How many know how important it is somebody believes in you before you're believable? I want to tell you right now this morning, Holy Spirit believes in you. He believes in you. And you're like, I can't. I got this, this, and that. He's like, I believe in you. I know you're not believable. I know you. And I believe in you. I believe in you right here, right now. And I'm telling you, I personally believe in every one of you. I absolutely believe in you. You know why I believe in you? Because Holy Spirit inside you. That's why. Okay, so let's do this again. Sorry. Can we all just stand up? Let's get this going. Gabby, do you want to come on up? So let's go back to that place. Why did you become a believer in the first place? Why did you become a believer? What happened to you? And if it wasn't a moment, if it was for you more like a process of being in faith, then, then look at the process. But whatever, why are you in Jesus right now? Why have you given your life? Why did you commit to him? Why did you marry him when you married him? Because it's time to come back to our first love. This season, come back to our first love. So right now, He's going to begin to blow on the embers of your heart, your dreams, your goals, the vision he's given you, the precious things that he's put inside you. He's going to breathe on those, and they're going to begin to grow. And for some of you, as they grow, they're going to be, you're going to feel like pokes and hits and stabs, almost like you're filling a balloon with water, but the water's spewing out. Some of your hearts feel like that. Those are hurt. Those hurts. Those are hurts, letdowns, what look like false prophetic words. That's what those are. So recognize if you feel like your water's leaking out of your balloon, like every time you try and breathe or believe, that's what those are. They're hurts, wounds, letdowns, scars, false words, prayers that you prayed that didn't come to pass. It's, that's just what they are. And so if you, if you have a lot of those, if you have a lot of those right now, I want you to pray something like this. You don't have to do this out loud. But pray something like this. Pray something like, Lord Jesus, I don't know if I can do this. I feel like a mess. There's so many holes in my heart. I don't think I can hold in any water. I'm going to need you to come. I'm going to need you to come. And I'm going to need you to blow your breath on my spirit. I'm going to need to heal me. To fill this. And those of you who that's not really you, that you're actually bursting inside, you can feel the faith renewed in your heart, that he is absolutely good all the time. And he is using you, and your life is not over, it's just beginning. And you're feeling the fire of prayer, feeling the fire of intercession, or just believing you're starting to see it. I want you to let it build. Let it build until you can see it. Let it build until you can see it in your eyes, you can see it in your heart. You can see the direction God is moving your life. And let him begin to speak to you. Lord, I, I just prophesy dreams over this room. I prophesy vision over this room. Lord, I prophesy healing, physical and emotional healing over this room right now. There's a couple of you in here that have thought, I've got the healing thing. I've, as soon as I said that, you're like, I just, 
feel like I'm supposed to heal people. In Jesus' name, supernatural healings. If that's you, just take your hand and put it over your heart. And God, I ask right now that you blow on their hearts to begin to pray over others and see healings happen. That healings would happen all across the room. That you're going to do it in the marketplace. You're going to do it in church, at school, at work, everywhere, at home. That you're going to be bold. I just pray boldness over you to begin to speak healing over everyone. Cancer, be gone in Jesus' name. Back pain, be gone in Jesus' name. Diabetes, be gone in Jesus' name. Knees, knee pain. I command cartilage to grow back in the knees right now. In Jesus' name. Let total healing come to the knees and the joints. Just wash over this place right now, Lord. And we believe. So here's what we're going to do as we just kind of soak in and end with a little bit of worship. Is If you want to come forward, you can. And what we're going to do is this is just going to literally be like kind of old school altar call, but it's like I'm renewing my vows to God. You know what I'm saying? I'm renewing my vows to the Lord Jesus Christ. But now they're deeper because I know. So come forward. If you want to come forward, I'm just going to, I'm going to renew my vows as well. Let's just come before him and just renewing our vows to you, Lord. We love you. We give our lives to you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are our everything. We give it all to you. You are my all in all. So I'm going to shut up and we're going to, she's going to do some worship and just do your business before the Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, guys. So cool. 